Ryan Day and Ohio State football have had a near-perfect 2024 preseason. I know we still have plenty of the preseason left to go, and we're only in the middle of January, but it's always great news when your team is returning 11 draft-eligible players who could have declared, but they didn't. Consequentially, the majority of production on the offensive and defensive side of the ball from 2023 will be returning. Ryan Day is giving up play-calling duties to take on more of a CEO role, and I expect an offensive coordinator to be hired likely after the NFL season ends, as it sounds like Ryan Day is going to be pursuing his OC from the NFL, but who knows, he has a plethora of options there. Parker Fleming was let go. Ohio State is bringing in a top five 2024 recruiting class and also four incoming transfers. I think three of them are key transfers and Seth McLaughlin, Will Howard, obviously, and again, obviously, Quinshawn Judkins, one of the SEC's best running backs in 2022 and 2023. But all of this wraps up with Ohio State's 2024 expectations because when you return the amount of production that Ohio State is returning, and when you recruit at a high level and you make the staff changes that Ryan Day has been making, you get a sense that 2024 is potentially a make-or-break season for Ohio State football, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Welcome back, fellow football fanatics. It's your host, College Football with Sam. If you could do me a quick favor, I'd really appreciate it. Just do these few things for me. Like this video subscribe to the channel, and click the notification bell so that you can get notified when I release more college football content, and so that we can get this video out to as many Ohio State fans as possible via the algorithm. You can also share this video around to other Ohio State fans or Big Ten football fans, and if you want to support the channel, you can check out my Patreon page and sign up as a paid member via the link in the description or the pinned comment, or you can check out my store at Threadless via the link either in the description or below the pinned comment, where you can get an Ohio State-themed College Football with Sam t-shirt or other merchandise. Last but not least, comment your expectations and your way-too-early record prediction for Ohio State football down in the comment section below. Now, without further ado, let's get back to the topic at hand. Thank you for listening. Marvin Harrison Jr. is gone. And there was some speculation that he would return after being offered a massive NIL package, but alas, he didn't. Xavier Johnson is leaving as a graduate. Matthew Jones is departing the program as a graduate. And Cade Stover is going off to the NFL. Those are the only losses outside of transfers outgoing Julian Fleming to Penn State and Kyle McCord to Syracuse that Ohio State is losing on the offensive side of the football. Defensively, and we're starting out with returning production because returning production and who are going to be the starters for next season is really a big, big foundation of how the 2024 team will look, how they'll function, etc. Michael Hall Jr. leaves, but the rest of the defensive line stays intact. And Steel Chambers and Tommy Eichenberg depart at linebacker, which is a big loss those are the two starting linebackers, and I believe Josh Proctor has exhausted all of his eligibility, so he's departing from pre-safety, and, and he had a really phenomenal season. But much like the defensive line, the secondary only loses one player, a good player, a great elite player collegiately, but they return Lathan Ransom, they return Denzel Burke and Jordan Hancock, all of whom had NFL draft eligibility. 
And Burke played at, I think, an elite All-American level. I think Jordan Hancock is good. I think that Jermaine Matthews Jr. looked awesome as a freshman. Davison Igbenosin, great addition entering 2023. He certainly panned out. And Lathan Ransom is a great safety when healthy, but he did have some injuries toward the end of the season. Some immediate takeaways that I have just looking at the roster, the projected depth chart. This defense could be the number one defense in America, and I think it will compete with Michigan's for that title, just as a way, way too early analysis. Michigan returns Rod Moore, Makari Page, Josiah Stewart, Mason Graham, Kenneth Grant, and their defense is deep. Michigan's second stringers and even some of their third stringers would start at a variety of Power 5 schools. Same with Ohio State. Georgia, I'd put them up there. Glenn Schumann, for now, still looks to be their defensive coordinator. Will Muschamp's being moved to an analyst role. And Tavarius Robinson, I believe that's his name, was hired by Georgia from Alabama. He's a great secondary coach. They're a great DB coach. Those three schools, based off of talent, experience, reputation, you can never count out Iowa either. That's elite company to be in. And the 2023 defense, I think, was nearly as good as it gets, and we'll explore more of that in a few minutes. But can the defense get even better than it was in 2023? I think it can. Linebacker, you'd expect drop-off when you lose experienced, great players, intelligent players, great run-stoppers and Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers. But at the defensive line, Jack Sawyer was peaking later in the season. Tui Moalau has showed off at times, and we know the potential that he has. And Tyleek Williams and Ty Hamilton were basically rotational starters along with Michael Hall. In a sense, outside of Hall's occasional presence, the defensive line isn't losing much. And that's not a shot at Michael Hall at all. I thought he was an elite defensive tackle when he was healthy. But Ohio State is so deep that I expect them to reload at defensive line to make up for Michael Hall's departure. And they should improve there. The defensive line was a weakness, and part of that was due to the ultra-conservative scheme by Jim Knowles, which he changed in the Cotton Bowl. It's something that I noticed as Ohio State was much more willing to be aggressive, and it paid off. But eventually, due to the fact that this team is just not quite elite or generational at stopping the run, and the offensive performance was lackluster, Cody Schrader and Brady Cook eventually broke through. Looking at the offensive side of the football, This is where it gets interesting, because you have to factor in that Quinshawn Judkins is transferring in, most of the offensive line's returning, Henderson, he's coming back, and and Hayden, after being redshirted, they're going to put him to use, because he is a future NFL running back. There is some uncertainty at quarterback, because while Will Howard, I think, has... I don't know if he has a higher ceiling than Kyle McCord exactly. I've wavered on comparisons between Will Howard and Kyle McCord, and I waver back and forth because I think they're more similar than different in terms of talent. I just think Will Howard is gutsier, obviously more athletic. I think Ohio State, in terms of roster build and athleticism and where the returning experience is placed at, This looks to be a team where if you play to the strengths of your roster, you probably want to run the football. 
And that's something that I've criticized Ryan Day about before in 22 and 23 was he forced the run. He ran the ball when it wasn't there. He tried to make Ohio State into Michigan as a response to losing to Michigan when Ohio State, they're not built like Michigan, and that's not necessarily an insult. As a Michigan fan myself, I would have loved to have C.J. Stroud and Marvin Harrison Jr. and Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Those are phenomenal players, and I honestly, at times, prefer Ohio State's style of offense under Ryan Day over Harbaugh's and Sharon Moore's at Michigan. But now, the offense that I think Ryan Day tried to run this year and in 2022, which took away from talent at receiver and talent at quarterback in C.J. Stroud's final season, I think this team's actually built better to run the football. In the preseason, I had concerns at tackle. I didn't have concerns at guard and center, which turned out to not play as well as I expected. But Josh Simmons and Josh Fryer both return. Carson Hinsman returns. Jones departs, but Donovan Jackson is the best guard, and he comes back, and there's going to be depth, whether it's Enoch Vimahi or Luke Montgomery or Tegra Shabaloa. There's going to be depth behind that offensive line. We'll see if it improves. I expect there to be improvement, as I think, whether it's Ohio State or Georgia or Alabama or USC or Michigan, when you are at these high-level schools, you have to expect improvement, especially when you have a season that, once again, is disappointing in terms of expectations. But expecting improvement at the offensive line, factoring that in, assuming that to be the case, and then at running back with Judkins and Henderson, which could be the best running back duo, and along with Dallin Hayden, it's probably the best running back room in the country— you have some uncertainty at quarterback and wide receiver, not too much, as Will Howard's good, and Emeka Egbuka, Carnell Tate, Brandon Innocent, Jaden Ballard. That, once again, is a top 10, top 5 wide receiver room, but probably not as good as the previous three seasons. And factoring in at quarterback, from a standpoint of raw talent, expectations, and returning production, this will probably be Ohio State's worst passing attack since since potentially JT Barrett and Urban Meyer. Maybe I'm incorrect for saying that. It's certainly a better wide receiver room, I think, than the 2019 one with how Brian Hartline's recruited and developed his receivers at this program. But with quarterback Will Howard being a hit-or-miss passer at times but being an amazing runner, I think that this team is going to be built to run the football very well. And defensively, they should be elite once again. And we Already covered this, but it's good to hit on it again, dive more into the analytics and some of the returning statistics from 2023, but then also using that as a framework for talking about what should the expectations be. So when you return seven offensive starters and you bring in four players from the portal to add on offense, you expect offensive improvement. And you expect to be able to run the football and you expect the offensive line to improve when the O-line returns four starters. Seth McLaughlin's addition likely makes up for Matthew Jones departing for the NFL, and Judkins and Henderson running behind that offensive line, plus you have Will Howard as another option, or Reed, to take the ball and run, and he's a very gutsy, powerful runner, 
defenses constantly underestimate his ability to scramble. And I think especially in the Big Ten, given the Big Ten is not known for mobile quarterbacks, he could pose a problem for Big Ten defenses. You expect this team to run the football and to be physical. They have the Buckeyes and Day. No excuses to justify less than an elite offensive performance. And I know that I said just a few minutes ago, the passing attack won't have the same ceiling as the previous, in my opinion, three really could potentially have a lower ceiling than any of Ryan Day's passing attacks because I don't think Will Howard is as good as Justin Fields or C.J. Stroud. I think he has less consistent accuracy and even has a worse turnover problem than Kyle McCord. I think he is a lower, from a passing standpoint, a lower floor than McCord, but a maybe higher ceiling. We'll just have to see how that pans out. He has a great arm, which is something that I don't think McCord had in terms of power, but, I mean, it it is just blatantly obvious to me that McCord, from what I've seen, does have a more accurate arm, and that combined with Harrison, who's phenomenal, going to be a top 10 pick, in the 2024 NFL Draft, with him departing, you you just have to think that the dynamics of this offense have to change. Doesn't mean it can't be elite. Michigan's 2022 offense was close to an elite offense, and I think the 2023 offense that Michigan had at times throughout the season, though whether it was injuries or whether it was the offensive line just not having that cohesion that they did over the previous two seasons, Michigan flashed in an elite way at times on offense this season from a consistency standpoint. In 2022, if they just had a slightly better passing attack, or if McCarthy performed all year like he did against Ohio State or TCU minus his two pick sixes, that would have been an elite offense from a standpoint of output and having enough position groups on the field that performed at an NFL level. For Ohio State, the running back room, I think that's going to be an elite an elite room. Wide receiver, you're always going to have that potential there. And with the amount of production returning on the offensive line and the amount of star power there, I think you should expect Ohio State's offensive line to be great, near elite. Elite, I don't necessarily know, but I think great would certainly be an improvement, a much needed improvement over last season. Last season, I can't believe I'm saying this right now, that I'm saying last season, but alas, here we are. Ohio State, in terms of pass protection and running the football, was not excellent. They allowed 23 sacks, and they only averaged 4.2 yards per carry on the ground. They struggled mightily against Penn State, against Maryland, and against Missouri running the football. And while they had one consistent drive where they could run the football against Michigan, Overall, they did struggle to run on the Michigan Wolverines. And against Michigan, they allowed some pressures, some key pressures that resulted in the final turnover of the game, that resulted in a quick three and out. Against Penn State, I thought they did a serviceable job protecting Kyle McCord, but Notre Dame was able to get some pressure. Maryland was able to get some pressure. And... Overall, it was just not a good performance on the offensive line. I mean, Indiana, their defense shut down Ohio State's offense to to kick off the season. So the offense, you have to expect them to improve. The defense, 
I think you expect the defense to stay the same, maybe get better, but with how good this defense was, returning eight starters, basically all of their secondary and all of their key pass rushers returned. I, I know that Josh Proctor leaves, which is why I said, you know, basically all of their secondary. I didn't know if he was returning or not when I made this. But JT Tuimolau comes back. Jack Sawyer returns. Kenyatta Jackson, Caden Curry, Mitchell Melton. They have not entered the transfer portal yet. And in part, part of the reason I'm speechless right now is because what more can you expect from the defense than what they gave Ohio State last season? Last season's defense paired with the 2021 or 2022 offense goes 15-0, if I'm being honest. They would replace Michigan at that 15-0 position if last year's defense had the 2022 or 2021 offense. They just do. But with the amount of production returning, outside of linebacker, which I think Knowles could use a transfer linebacker, this could be the best defense in America. The D-line can use improvement. I think that Knowles, in part, shot himself and his defense in the foot, calling a very conservative game plan all season long. And then against Michigan, it was very hard for the Buckeyes to adjust out of that when they needed to. They weren't trying to pressure McCarthy much from what I saw, or if they did, I don't think they were sending enough people or it wasn't working. They were playing a wide technique when Michigan was trying to chew clock, which means their gaps on the defensive line are wide, which is just inviting Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards to pick up a free additional yard or two when they're already guaranteed to gain one, two, or three yards due to what I would say is an elite interior offensive line. It wasn't a, it wasn't the same offensive line as 2022 or even 2021, but they still did a very good job in third and short, fourth and short situations of running the football, for sure. So, looking at this, the returning production, I think that, I think that you have to expect improvement. Absolutely. And Henderson, being a 926-yard back last year, 11 touchdowns, and he sat out for, what was it, three or four games. Judkins at over 1,000 rushing yards. This offense should average closer to the five yards per carry mark than the four yards per carry mark. And Emeka had 515 receiving yards, four receiving touchdowns. Carnell Tate had a receiving touchdown and 264 yards. So there isn't a lot of proven returning production in terms of yards and receiving touchdowns from last year. But Carnell Tate, he's shown flashes of being elite, and he was a true freshman. So the fact that he got on the field enough to see those numbers is impressive. And Igbuka was just a 1,000-yard receiver in 2022. He just struggled a little bit with staying healthy this season. Defensively, 28 sacks. I think like six of those came against Missouri. 47 passes defended, seven interceptions. You need to get more pressure. Having less than 30 sacks in 13 games, that's not going to win against Michigan. It's not going to win against Penn State. And if somehow that does win against Michigan, who should take a step back, or Penn State, who under James Franklin has not beaten Ryan Day yet, 
it won't win against Georgia. It won't win against Texas, who returns a lot of their 2023 production for next season. And it probably won't win against the Alabama of the world either, or similar programs. So now that we have returning production out of the way, that we've really dove into that, let's talk about the schedule and what should be the expectation regarding the schedule. Well, I'll tell you what that is anyway. It should be 12-0, and 0, but that's every year or maybe at its most merciful every other year for Ohio State. And August and September, one August game, three September games, three October games, five November games, five. Ohio State has a bye week, September 14th and October 19th. They open up against Akron on August 31st, Western Michigan, September 7th, Marshall after the bye, September 21st, and their first road game, their first conference game of the season is at Michigan State on September 28th. They play Iowa at home October 5th. They play at Oregon on October 12th, host Nebraska after the bye October 26th, and that's it for October. They have a thin October slate, but one that's interesting, to say the least, because of that road game against Oregon. Oregon loses Bo Nix, they lose Troy Franklin, but they do return Tez Johnson, about half of that offensive line. They lose Jackson Powers Johnson, but I think a Johnny Cornelius and Josh Connerly Jr., their tackles return, but I could be wrong. I know Connerly's returning because I think he's just a sophomore. I don't think he's eligible to even go to the draft right now. And they're bringing in Dylan Gabriel. They're bringing in Evan Stewart, Texas A&M wide receiver. The Ducks are also bringing in Dante Moore, five-star prospect who played at UCLA and really struggled. But with Will Stein, assuming he's still the coordinator, say that because I think Ryan Day should go after a Will Stein or go after a Brennan Marion or an Isaac Newland or before he went to Alabama, pursue Ryan Grubb or someone similar. Ryan Day really needs to get that offensive coordinator higher right. But I've already made a video detailing a few candidates who I think he should go after, including the names I mentioned. And while it is old, it's a video that's about two, two and a half weeks old, I still think it's relevant in light of Ryan Day wanting to hire an offensive coordinator. But to get back on topic, Oregon is going to be a great team, and that will be a good test for Ryan Day and this team. And regardless, win or loss, they have a bye week after to rest and prepare. Nebraska, it's a home game. I do expect improvements from Nebraska, though. Um, Iowa, I think Iowa's going to be above average or good. It's rumored, actually, they're going after Brendan Marion to be their offensive coordinator, but given how that offense has functioned, it'll take more than a year for it to really improve to be a threat. And until they show me that they can be competent on the offensive side of the ball while maintaining integrity at an elite level of play on defense and special teams, I'm not going to pick them to beat Ohio State in the shoe. At Penn State, that might be the biggest game of the year in terms of matchup. Like in terms of the fact that Penn State and Ohio State could be the two best teams in the Big Ten. And it's a road game. So that's probably Ohio State's one of their tougher, if not toughest, games. And that's November 2nd. Purdue home game, November 9th. 
November 16th, the Buckeyes take on Northwestern. They take on Indiana November 23rd, and they take on Michigan the final day of November, the 30th. This Michigan game is humongous. For Ryan Day and for Ohio State in terms of expectations, that's the biggest game of the season. In terms of matchup, there is a fair chance that Penn State is going to be better than Michigan, and being on the road, that means that'll be the the biggest quality matchup, or the highest quality matchup, rather, that involves Ohio State. But this game against Michigan is critical. Absolutely. And I think every Ohio State fan knows this. I don't think they need to know the explanation why. When you return the amount of production that you do, a two-thirds majority or greater on the offensive and defensive side of the football, you have a top five recruiting class. You bring in some key transfers. You're making necessary staff changes. Again, the offensive coordinator position, that hire needs to be good. Ohio State needs to be good at on special teams because that's an important part of the game. And I do think that Mickey Marotti needs to be called into question because the frequency of injuries, it's consistent now. And the consistent, poor, or underperforming in big games trench play, that also factors into special teams. The fact that Ohio State, in terms of strength, I don't think is really that impressive, especially on the interior trenches, which is, I think, probably the most important area of play in the Big Ten. In other conferences, it's purely the quarterback or the quarterback and the receivers. In the Big Ten, I think it's the guards, the centers, the defensive tackles, the nose tackles. And those have been areas where Ohio State in the previous three seasons, has struggled with, particularly in big games. I think the 2022 offensive line was elite. I really do. And the 2021 O-line, I thought was good, great. But overall, in big games, particularly against Michigan, but also against Georgia, you saw the cracks, the allowances of sacks, the incapability of consistently running the football making the offense one-dimensional. The offense still did well, of course, but I think there need to be bigger changes than just axing the special teams coach or the safeties coach or hiring a new offensive coordinator, even though those are big changes. Because if Ryan Day loses to Michigan, he, I thought this talk was asinine last year, This year, he loses to Michigan. He could be either on the hot seat entering 2025, or if he loses another game outside of the Michigan game, he could be under job security pressure, like the word fire being used. He could be fired. And that would be almost unprecedented in the history of college football. But losing three in a row to Michigan, and the way that Cotton Bowl loss happened is just, it really is unacceptable. And I'm saying this as a Michigan fan. It was unacceptable for Harbaugh to lose year after year after year to Ohio State. Now, thankfully, with hindsight, Michigan didn't fire him because now Michigan is reigning as the national champions and they've won the Big Ten and beaten Ohio State for three years in a row. But Michigan loses McCarthy, who I thought was going to return. 
they lose Blake Corum. They lose most of their offensive line. They lose tight end A.J. Barner, most of their receivers. You're only returning one starter or maybe two offensively. Being Colston Loveland, Edwards was never starting all season. Miles Hinton was a rotational starter. And I would say that Samaj Morgan or Tyler Morris, rotational players at wide receiver. Michigan's returning practically no production on offense outside of Donovan Edwards and some rotational offensive linemen, wide receivers, and tight end Colston Loveland. That's not a lot. And then defensively, Michigan returns a ton, but I think Ohio State's still returning more on that side of the football. And it is a home game. Ohio State, again, recruiting at a higher level. In fact, the talent gap for recruiting between Michigan and Ohio State is widening. It, it's still widening. Michigan is struggling to even recruit inside of the top 15 now, not just top 10. Meanwhile, Ohio State is still in that top five area. Both schools need to get better with name, image, and likeness deals, but that's, again, getting a little off topic. In conclusion, I would say you have to go 12-0. and 0. You have to win a few games in the 12-team playoff, win the Big Ten, or at least appear in Indy. With the Big Ten championship game no longer being a freebie for the Big Ten East, as it's going to be a matchup between the two best teams, losing in Indy is no longer a cardinal sin, especially when you haven't been there in three seasons. Just get to Indy, beat Michigan, or even if Ohio State doesn't beat Michigan, if they win all of their other games and only lose to Michigan with the schedule that they have, they'll likely appear in Indy anyway. So get to Indianapolis, win a few college football playoff games. I think Ohio State, along with Georgia and maybe Alabama, depending on how much they return, those, but specifically Ohio State and Georgia, I'd say in terms of potential, which is star talent, returning production, mainly, they're in a tier of their own in a certain way. But we'll see what happens, because I thought that Ohio State this season in 2023, or this past season, again, correction, was going to be an elite team. And I think for the regular season they were, but the way they performed in the Cotton Bowl was maddening, and they underperformed on the offensive side of the ball compared to my preseason expectations. And I thought they were going to win it all in 2022. And I thought they were going to win the Big Ten in 2021. And I was wrong on those two predictions. I was right on the 11-1 and prediction for Ohio State this season. But I think on the offensive side of the ball, they did fall short. I really thought they were going to put together a good run game and thought that McCord was going to be better than he was. So we'll see how all of this pans out. But right now, Ohio State's having a good, elite 2024 preseason. You just have to... You have to Make sure that that translates to having a great, elite, fulfilling regular season. Thank you all so much for watching this video. Remember to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, and comment your thoughts on this video down below. I want to give a shout out to my patrons for the month of, I think this is December, early January. I'm going to be updating this list within the week. Thanks to Crash2488 for sponsoring this video. As a Heisman patron, thanks to Spencer Bringhurst for sponsoring this video as an All-American patron. Thanks to Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, Matthew Sale, Chris Lane, Austin Christmas, and Zubin Zah for sponsoring this video as an All-Conference patron.
Have a phenomenal day, guys, and I will see you all around. Bye-bye.